Let's pray as we get started with the message this morning. God, we do thank you for, uh, for the goodness that we see your goodness in the land of the living. Thank you for your mercies that never fail, that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open your word that it may take root in our hearts and bring forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be looking at three different passages of Scripture this morning. We are in the first week of Advent. So Advent is the season that leads up to Christmas and just past Christmas and the celebration of Christmas. And there, in the church calendar year, we kind of have this from September through the fall kind of to Advent. And we've been talking about exile. And now we're taking, uh, talking about Advent. And then in January, we'll pick up and talk about exile some more. And then we're going to take a break and we'll go through the season of Lent, which leads us to Easter. And then after the Easter season, we take the third section talking about exile. But I want you to understand that we are not taking a break completely from the theme of exile. Because... As the teaching team got together a couple of weeks ago, we uh, were sharing and, and started asking ourselves the question, where is exile present in the story of Advent? And as we started sharing, it was just abundantly clear that, Advent, that exile is layered throughout the entire story, the Christmas story and the story of Christ's first coming. It's all over the place. So we're not going to take a break from exile. We're going to push deeper into exile and see how it it is layered even within the Christmas story. So with that in mind, we're going to start in Isaiah, the ninth chapter. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. Isaiah was a prophet, a Jewish prophet, about 500 years before the Christmas Story happens before Christ comes as a child. Isaiah was prophesying, and in the ninth chapter, he says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. You have been enlarged, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment that is rolled in blood will be destined for burning. In other words, war goes away, peace comes. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the 
greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I've got a couple of foundational truths to share with you this morning, and then we're going to have kind of three uh, uh, action steps or application points as we get done. Foundational truth number one is this. The language of God is metaphor. The language of God is metaphor. What is metaphor? Metaphor is something that represents something else without using like or as. The language of God is not Hebrew, and it's not Greek, and it's not English. The language of God is metaphor. That's why in Romans 1.20 it says, for the things, everything that could be known about God can be seen by what has been made. Why? Because God metaphorically and everything that he has made layers creation with the expression of who he is. Everything is metaphor. We look at the word, enlarged up there. Say, well, Take it down. We say, well, that's the word enlarged. No, no, those are lines on a screen. There are lines formed a certain way. And when we look at that line, it translates to a certain sound, and that sound translates into a certain word, which we in our language perceive to have certain meaning. That's a metaphor. A line means a sound, which means a sound makes a meaning. Those are metaphors. Metaphor is the base language of God. The sacraments are metaphors. The body and the blood. The bread is the body and the wine is the blood. Baptism is a metaphor. Everything that God does, is he expresses himself in all these different word pictures. So we've talked about in the exile, the, the series of exile, that the entire history of humanity from Genesis to Revelation is like one big story of exile. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin, they are cast out of the garden, out of God's presence. What's that? That's exile. They are thrown into exile, and from that time on, this whole story of Scripture takes us then to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, or 20 and 21, where God basically what? Restores everything, redeems everything, and humanity is brought back into an eternal relationship with God, just like existed in the Garden of Eden. So between Genesis 3 and the end of Revelation, we have the story of exile. And as we go to this scripture, so here's foundational truth number two. There's not one advent, there are two. And one of the things, see, one of the, the problems was is if you read Isaiah and we start with what? A child is going to be born, a son given, the government will be on his shoulders, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then we have this out of his government, there will be peace and there will be no end to that peace. He will reign on the throne of David. So when Jesus' disciples Looked at Jesus and said, oh, he's going to establish his, himself as king on earth. And he is going to create this kingdom. Because it says here in Isaiah, what they didn't understand at that point was that there are two advents. 
So we have to understand that when we celebrate Advent, we are celebrating two. For it is Christ coming into exile with us. That's what happened at Christmas. The God of heaven came to earth. He left his home in heaven, Philippians 2. He humbled himself to become one of us. That's exile. So Christ's exile in the first coming was to make the way for our salvation. But there is a second advent that happens at the end in the the 19th chapter of Revelation where there is a second coming that will be the redemption of all things. So in this first week of Advent, what we are celebrating is one, we're celebrating Christ coming into exile to be our salvation. And at the same time, we wait in expectation for the advent of Christ coming with power to redeem all things. Two things. See, that's one of the things that's interesting. And and as we get into prophecies, you study God's scripture, one of the things that as you understand that God's base language is metaphor, sometimes things are layered with meaning. And a prophecy can mean one thing for the time of Isaiah and can mean something else, another layer of meaning for us on this side of Christ's resurrection. It can be layered, and that's what part of the mystery of it. And we, so we're trying, we're seeing that in this chapter, we're seeing the child is born, but then all of a sudden it skips to the end of the redemption, and the disciples thought that was one event, but it's actually two. So let's go to John, the first chapter, if we will. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the word, capital W. What's word? That's a metaphor. Jesus is the living word. How was the earth created in Genesis 1? It was, and God said. Jesus is the author of creation. By him all things were made. He is the living word that is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. How can a word be a person? It's a metaphor. Okay? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. So Christ is the author of of creation. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Skip down to verse nine. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. You hear that? The world did not recognize him the first time that he came. He was light. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So at the very beginning of John's biography of Jesus, he talks about Jesus as word and light. So here we are, the advent wreath that Allie uh, lit for us this morning. What is this? This is a metaphor. The first week of Advent is called the, 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 the candle of hope, the light of hope. This is the light that has come into the world. This stands for what we are celebrating today. The greenery of the evergreen is a metaphor. What does it mean? In wintertime, what's the one tree that stays green all through the entire winter of death? The evergreen. What are the... Pine cones, when Jesus said, unless something dies and is put into the ground, it won't spring up to new life. So in this metaphor, we are remembering everything that we are celebrating in the season of Advent. But here's the thing. The first coming of Christ, the first Advent of Jesus coming as a child to be born was a candle in the darkness. The second coming is going to be an explosion of cosmic power in his glory, making all things new. Yeah. Bring it. That's the difference. And we are celebrating both. But the problem is that we still live in this land of woe. We still live in this exile. Jesus came to live in exile with us to show us the way. Promising that someday the redemption of all things is coming. So now, let's just think about it. Well, number one. So the light came into the darkness in that first advent of the child being born. Metaphor is layered with meaning, right? Mary experienced that light in Gabriel's visit. The shepherds experienced the light in the heavenly host appearing in the sky and singing to them. The Magi experienced the light in a star that led them on a journey. John experienced that light on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was temporarily transfigured into him and his glory, and John saw it. (laughs) He was there. Thomas saw that light in the wounds on Christ's body. See, the light shines in different ways to different people in our own journeys. But the light shines in the darkness if we're willing to open our eyes to see it and understand it. So let's go back to Luke, if you will. Luke, the 21st chapter. This is Jesus Speaking, it is the last week of his earthly journey in the first advent. It is the week before he is going to be crucified. It is that week he is staring down his death. The end of the first coming, the first advent is upon him. And this is what he says to his disciples. 
Some of his, uh, verse, verse five is where we're gonna start. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones. So they're in Jerusalem, and you see the Temple Mount, and it's on this kind of hill, everything, it's kind of the, the highest place in Jerusalem. So they're looking at the temple and how beautifully it was adorned and the stones and the gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of these stones will be thrown down. That happened in AD 70, when the Romans marched in because of a Jewish uprising and destroyed the temple. Every stone was torn down. And in fact, the only thing that's left that you can see today are the foundation stones that were buried and you have to actually go through a cave to actually see them. But that's all that's left is this underground stones. Jesus, what he said was absolutely true. The other thing that you need to understand is that the entire system of Mosaic law was built on genealogy. You could only be a priest if you were the son of Aaron. You could only be a Levite and take care of the temple if you were a son of Levi. And so you had to know your genealogy and the tribe from which you came because your tribe determined what you did. In AD 70, when the Romans destroyed the temple, they also destroyed all of the genealogical records that were contained in that temple. And what happened in that destruction is the mosaic system of sacrifice was wiped out. It could not continue because nobody knew who the sons of Aaron were. Nobody knew who the Levites were. So even if the temple was rebuilt, there was no way to know. There was no way to prove it. It was like God saying, this way, this season is over. A new season has come. So Jesus is saying to them, this temple is going to be destroyed. Teacher, they ask, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they're about to take place? Jesus replied, Watch, watch out that you are not deceived. Number one, we need to be alert, okay? That's number one, be alert. Don't be deceived. Have your eyes open, have your heart open. Keep your spiritual antenna up. Make sure that you're not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Has anybody heard that recently? Oh, the time's near. It's gonna happen any moment now. I just believe it. We're in the end times. One of the things that's really interesting about the end times is it's one of the most fascinating studies in all uh, of Christianity, the the revelation and the end times and all those things. Um, But it's kind of in my own experience. Number one, one of the things that I've learned is that every generation thinks this is the last one. Every one of them, okay? And me and my grandparents thought it. My parents thought it. Uh, and every generation, going back to Domini Scolti, who founded Pella, one of the things that he, at the end of his life, he was convinced that Jesus was coming back at any moment. We just went through 1 Peter, and Peter thought it was going to happen at any moment. He said it in 1 Peter. The end of all things is here. Now, in theology, we call that the imminent return of Christ. It could happen at any moment. We don't know. Even Jesus said he didn't know the day or the hour. It could happen at any moment. But Jesus says, be careful. Don't be deceived. Be alert. Have your spiritual antenna up. But know that many people will come and say, oh, it's happening. 
but that's not necessarily true. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, Afghanistan, Syria, Iran, North Korea, what does it say there? Do not what? Do not be frightened. Can I say it again? Do not be frightened. Do not be afraid. These things will happen. As followers of Jesus, we are not to fear. These things must happen first, but the end, notice what it says, will not come right away. So even though the temple's destroyed in AD 70, was that the end? No. It's been almost 2,000 years, and it still hasn't happened. The end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and famines and pestilences in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Now, it's what's interesting thing, because again, when you get into eschatology and revelation and prophecy, there are different layers, right? So Jesus is talking in some, in some ways, he is even in his said, I don't know the day or the hour. Only the Father knows. He knows some of what's going to happen, but he, in his earthly body at that point, had no idea what the timing was. So he's talking about the destruction of the temple, what happened in AD 70. Now, you look at nations rising against nation and pestilences in various places and great signs from heaven, that describes perfectly what's happening in the book of Revelation in the description of the great tribulation. Then he goes on, but before this day, you, the disciples I'm talking to, they're gonna seize you and they're gonna persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison and you will be brought before kings and governors and on, all on account of my name. And you will test, give testimony for me. This is, this is the, what happens to exiles, right? It happened to Joseph. It happened to Daniel. It happened to Esther. It happened to Peter. It happened to Paul. When you are living in exile, what happens is you live counterculturally. The darkness does not understand the light. So when the darkness perceives the light, it wants to snuff it out. I learned that uh, I'm not much, science was not my thing in school. I don't remember much from what Mr. Ludwig taught me in biology in my sophomore year of high school. I remember one thing from biology my sophomore year of high school. Mr. Ludwig said, do you realize that your eyes cannot see dark? They can't see dark. This is black, but your eye cannot see black. What your eye can see is light. And it's only in the contrast of the light that your, that your eyes perceive the darkness. But there is nothing in darkness or blackness that stimulates the retina of the eye. Only the light does. Metaphor. Because as the darkness is exposed to the light, it sees itself and then what happened? Shame. <laughs> I don't want the light because it exposes the darkness in me. And so the darkness wants to snuff out the light so that it can stay in the darkness. And Jesus says, hey, when your light shines in this world, the dark 
The darkness of this world is going to try and snuff it out. Get ready. That's what happens to exiles. But you're going to be brought before others. Don't worry. Look at verse 14. That's number two. Make up your mind. Don't worry. So don't fear and don't worry. Beforehand, how, make up your mind not to worry beforehand. Isn't that interesting? So in the moment, it's not gonna happen. Jesus said, hey guys, I want you to decide. I want you to think about it. I want you to prepare your hearts for it. I want you to practice for it spiritually. I want you to be prepared. In other words, you're gonna have to gird your heart and your mind before these things happen so that when it happens, you don't freak out. So we need to be prepared for whatever may come our way. Not being afraid, not being worried, believing, hoping that God's gonna take care of us. For I'll give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and sisters and relatives and friends. They'll put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Why? Because I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me never dies. Stand firm and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you'll know that the desolation is near. Well, is that AD 70? Or is that in the future, uh, in the Armageddon and Revelation, the 19th chapter? Yes, both. And I, it's mystery. It's layered, isn't it? When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment and fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be dark distress in the land and the wrath against people. They will fall by the sword and they will be taken prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until, what, the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So I believe, personally, I believe in my interpretation is that, that we are living in the time of the Gentiles. That in AD 70, the Mosaic law is wiped out. The time of this Exile, the time of the church age we enter into, and we're still there, waiting for the redemption of all things. Verse 25, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. Now we're back into Revelation, chapters 5, 6, 7, 8. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man. So here's the second advent. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because the redemption is drawing near. Advent one is the way of salvation. The second advent is the redemption of all things. Advent one is our salvation that gives us light in this dark journey of exile. Advent two 
is the glory that we will experience when we are reunited with Christ in eternity in a new heaven and a new earth. Skip down to verse 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. Anybody here feel the anxieties of life? See, we're still living in this exile where loved ones die and we grieve. Where jobs are lost and we don't know where we're going. Where fortunes go away in a split second and we don't know where we're going to make our next buck. Where relationships fail and we suffer the consequences of sin. Where persecutions happen. We're living in this land of exile but Jesus said, be careful. So this is, this is the next thing. Live wisely. Don't fear, don't worry, number one. Two, live wisely. See where we are in this progression. And if you see where we are, then we will live in such a way that I am ready for that redemption at any moment. I am celebrating the salvation and the light of Christ that has come into my life. And I am expectant and hopeful of the redemption to come. And I am going to live this exile life in such a way that I am ready at any moment. Not anxious. I'm not so fearful and worried and freaked out that I'm trying to medicate myself, weighed down, for it will come on all those who live, verse 35, on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray. And that's number three. Don't be frightened. Don't be anxious. Live wisely. Watch and pray. I'm going to uh, ask the worship team to come on up. I'd like to leave this morning with Psalm 30, 130, Psalm 130. This is a psalm of ascents, it says. And ascents means that this was a song that the people of God sang on their way up to the Temple Mount to worship God on his mountain. As I read this, I would like all of us to think about Whatever is burdening us, whatever trial that we're pers personally in, whatever this life of, <laughs> of living through this exile, whatever is weighing you down, I want you to be thinking about that as I read these words. Out of the depths of my exile, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? 
But with you there is forgiveness because of that first advent and a child coming to grow, to be a man, to die on a cross and be risen from the dead to forgive us of our sins. Because of you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. We celebrate this morning that you came as a candle in the darkness, that you came as a light to show us the way, that you are the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through you, that you came to make the way. And we wait with expectation and hope for your appearing when you will come again and all things will be redeemed and you will fulfill what you have set forth, the redemption of creation, redemption of your people. And you will make all things new. We wait. We wait for you. In Jesus' name. Amen.